But just a little bit of review, uh, and maybe you haven't made all the two previous weeks, it's fine, no problem. We're talking about connection, and that God wants to have connection with, with us. And sometimes, if you go through life, we seek and strive after this connection with God in all sorts of different ways, and, and sometimes we realize maybe our way is not working very good. <laughs> maybe I'm works-oriented, or I'm just going to uh, attain all this knowledge about God, but there's really no, or I'm, I'm going to do everything on my own, and I'm going to handle all my problems that come up. I can just kind of handle it myself. I don't really need God. Uh, there's all sorts of different ways, but, and, and then as we relate to God, sometimes uh, negative emotions, we talked about this one week, they can surface, uh, and they can kind of, you know, whether we're constantly anxious or we're constantly, uh, we dread every day waking up or uh, we're resentful or we're whatever emotion you want to say, we're angry. Uh, we all have those emotions, but I'm saying a, a steady one of these is my go-to. Uh, some of those things can be warning signs to say, maybe, maybe I'm not really being walking with God like I should and know, know that I'm a child of God and I can just rest in that and I don't have to measure up to whatever. Sometimes we put some standards on ourselves. Now, for sure, God has standards and there is the law and there is the Bible. But there is something to understanding. I'm a child of God, and it's, it's, but it's what Jesus Christ did on the cross, his blood that covers my sin. I don't have to be perfect. When I sin, there's forgiveness because of the blood of Christ. So this has all been about relationship. Um, and uh, we've been talking about bearing fruit. The passage I've been using is the, the John 15 passage where Jesus said, Abide in me, and I'll abide in you. Uh, or remain in me, and I'll remain in you. It's this connection idea. So tonight we're, we're going to talk about connection. Before we do, though, we're going to contrast another way of living. And uh, it's, the word is production. And we all, we all know this word. We live this word. Um, we actually probably teach this word. We've been trained in this word in our jobs. Uh, we may teach it to our kids. We may pass it down to our grandkids. Basically, the idea is you work hard and you get what you work for. You you put all the time and effort into something, and you produce the words, the, the, the works, and the, 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 the whatever happens after that. Well, that kind of can come into our walk with the Lord, too. And Jesus knew that. You know, we want to accomplish big works, and then eventually maybe we want to offer them to God and say, Look, God, look what I did, and, uh, and now you'll be pleased with me, as if he wasn't pleased with us before. But the problem is when we try to produce fruit by doing for God, we are doing things our own way. And some of that could have been, you know, how you're, maybe how you were raised. It's you get loved based on how you perform. You bring home a C minus, you don't get loved. You get third place, you don't get loved. God's not like that. Um, God, Jesus Christ, one and the same, he wants us to bear fruit, and he, how do we do that? Well, he'll say in this passage, and we look tonight, you bear fruit by a deep relationship with God. God, your connection with God or Jesus, then produces, even through your weaknesses and your strength, he produces what he wants to produce, and it's a connection that I'm connected to God. The Holy Spirit's in us if we ask him to be our Lord and Savior, according to scriptures. But I don't produce and then show God my gold ribbon and I don't show God my first place medallion or whatever it is God's not like that 
So tonight we're going to look at connection to Jesus, what that really means. We're going to see that if we're going to stay close to Jesus, it has to start with getting us quiet, sitting down, spending time with him. By the way, our culture is not good at that uh, at all. When was the last time you sat quiet for 10 minutes? Probably, if we're honest, very few of us do that for all sorts of reasons. Maybe it's little kids. Maybe it's this. Who knows? We're not good at being quiet. But the passage Jesus says, and he says, only God can produce the fruit. He's the one that does. It's our connection that has to be the priority. His, God's life will flow into us, as, and we will begin to see fruit growing naturally in our lives as we're connected to, to God. So just a question, you don't have to answer out loud, but uh, can you think of a time in your life that you prioritized your to-do list uh, over time with someone you loved? Now, I'm coming off my last week, and I had a lot of to-do lists, and I was with the people I loved, but there was a lot of to-do lists. Um, well, we're going to see at the end, as I close tonight, we're going to see a situation where Jesus literally walked into that. Someone had a to-do list, and someone wanted to be with Jesus. And I hope we'd pick the right one, because Jesus is going to say there is a right answer in that, eternally speaking. So if you have your notes, a couple of things. The first thing is, uh, you know, Jesus, this passage, John 15, that we're looking at, this is on the night of his arrest. Uh, he's speaking to his disciples about production. Jesus, uh, Jesus knows, Jesus being God, knows his eternal plan, and he knows his, he's going to die on a cross, and he knows how the gospel's going to spread, and the Holy Spirit's going to come later. But these guys that were with him didn't know this. And they don't understand everything. What do you mean you're going to leave us? Jesus knew he was going to give them a mission. Uh, and it was going to be a difficult mission, basically, to spread the gospel to the uttermost parts of the world. And it's going to start through these 12 disciples. So Jesus is going to leave his disciples with this huge responsibility. And, uh, and that's going to take a lot of work. It's going to take a lot of preparation. It's going to take a lot of intentionality. intentionality. It's going to take a lot of production. So you might think if Jesus is about to say that and all that's going to tell, he'll probably line out a flow chart, you know, what we're looking for and the kind of people, maybe a resume builder, maybe some job search, maybe a a timeline of how this this project's going to take place, how many years it's all going to happen, what you're going to need, the skills you're going to need, talents you're going to need. Let's just line it all out. The beavers of back then would love it. Let's just plan this sucker out on Excel spreadsheet, Okay. Jesus didn't do that at all. He, he didn't uh, lay out the expectations. He didn't outline anything or the pace of the productivity. He didn't say how you could attain maximum impact. No, he simply, he simply taught on connection with him. And he highlighted that when they're connected to him, there will be fruit. And he basically says the opposite. If you're not connected to me, there will be no fruit. Now, you all know what the fruit is, right? I don't. Fruit is not a banana or an orange. This is a metaphor, okay? Well, what is Jesus saying by fruit? Well, fruit is that you attain the purposes that God wants to use you for to attain, which for these 12 guys and for the church in history is to spread the gospel so that people can come in relationship with God and they understand and come to know what that means, what Jesus did on their behalf, on all of our behalf, when he did on the cross, and so that people would love and trust God. But so this is that night. He's going he's gonna to die soon, and uh, 
and this and this passage in John 15, he doesn't give nuts and bolts. There's no production in it. It's all about connection. He says in John 15, 4, Abide in me and I in you, as the branch cannot bear fruit of itself unless it abides in the vine. Neither can you unless you abide in me. Jesus says, I am the vine, you are the branches. He who abides in me and I in him bears much fruit. For without me you can do nothing. So if the disciples remained in Christ, they would bear much fruit. Sometimes this passage has been preached. I've been, I grew up in church. This passage has been preached many times. And one of the ways that this passage gets uh, preached or applied to us is this idea of, um, of production. It's, it's stressing the fruit, not the abiding. If you stress the fruit too much, uh, you know, it's basically, if your way of life isn't working, then just buckle down and produce more fruit. Work harder. And obviously, there's something wrong with you, so just fix you, and then just produce more. Buckle down. It's time, uh, you know, the application of this kind of sermon be, it's time to examine your life and look for the fruit. If there isn't enough fruit, it's time to buckle down get to work. You don't want to be a stick with no fruit that gets thrown into the fires of hell, so you better set your alarm, rise and grind. It's time to hustle harder. Have you ever heard any sermons like that? Now, there are some passages that says, yes, you need to be more diligent in your walk with the Lord and all of these things. But this passage, that's not the stress of what Jesus is saying. If you're not bearing much fruit, it's not because of you. It's because you're not connected to the right vine. You're not connected to the power source. Jesus, God. Now, you could go into works, and also this passage is not saying that our works are not important to God. Of course, our works are important to God, that we, uh, we are created to and saved so that we could work for God. Ephesians 2, 8, 9, For by grace you have been saved through faith, and it's not your own doing, it's the gift of God, not a result of works, so that no one boasts. We love that verse. We're like, yeah, I don't have to worry about works. Woo! But then you go into verse 10, for we are his workmanship created in Christ Jesus for good works. So it's not the works that save us, but when we get saved, we should be doing those works. As you're connected to the right power source, God, then my life should then produce fruit, should produce living things that show that I'm a Christian, that I'm working for God. I'm not working, but I'm, I'm serving the Lord However, I can. So what does Jesus say in this passage? It's not work harder, work harder, work harder. It's production, of course, matters. But uh, if we try to bear fruit in our own efforts, it doesn't work. And sometimes in life, we really try to do things in our own efforts. If, if, we, don't, if, we're, if we tell the truth, you know, I know God's there, but I, I got this under control. I can handle this time of sadness, or I can handle this difficult family situation, or I can handle... This job situation or this lack of retirement income or the down stock market or the pandemic, I can handle this. And God, when I need you, I'll really, I'll really connect then, right? Well, how does that work in any other relationship in your life? You know? It uh, doesn't work good. Why do we think that worked with God? But we do sometimes. Jesus says to his closest people that have been with him for three years, 
Stay connected to me. Stay connected to me. Stay connected to me. And I'll bear much fruit. <clears throat> if our strategy doesn't work and doesn't help, we can become discouraged, frustrated, anxious, burned out. Some of these emotions that, I mean, there, there's life and there's stages of that, but I'm, if, that's your, if that's your go-to, it might be a little bit of a problem. Now, right now I'm kind of sad because I lost my mom. Now, that's going to be a grieving process. That doesn't mean I'm always sad, but certain times will, and I, I don't know, I'm going to walk through this as the day goes ahead, but uh, I'm talking about generally your state of being every day all the time is whatever that is, fill in the blank. If it's a negative emotion, then you might have a spiritual problem. You might have a connection problem. It might be you're trying to live life your way and to measure up to, to God or whatever instead of just allowing God to save you and do everything which he did and just accept that by faith and grace and say, God, uh, I, need, I need your peace that passes all understanding to, to power me through this. In my weakness, I want you to show your strength. God does that. God does that through the Holy Spirit, through connection. Jesus shows, I can imagine as he's walking with his disciples, he, he shows his disciples a vine and a branch. They weren't in Midland, Texas. There were vines probably everywhere. Uh, there's a few here in Midland, but not a ton. Uh, a vine and a branch, and he looks at his disciples and he says, you be the branch. Don't we want to be the vine sometimes? Don't we, we want to like control everything? And, and I don't know your personality, but there are control freaks, and I, 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 I see one when I look in the mirror sometimes, but... That was a joke. You might not have got that. <clears throat> but we have this tendency that we want to control everything. And actually, you get, you get more freedom if you let go and let, let God. It's a phrase that gets overused and cliche very much, but it's, it's true. It's true. Jesus here focuses on connection over production. He, focus, he makes the priority of abiding over achieving. Sometimes as we go through life, we may prioritize production over connection. Why would we do that? A couple of reasons. One would be we need approval. Or we live in a day and age that values approval. The, uh, you could call it the approval point. What does that mean? Well, as we, uh, I have two kids, but, and I was a kid, obviously. But uh, you kind of get this ingrained in us from the time we're young that we're results. If you do the certain results, you get certain rewards. And then we kind of we solidify that mentality, and I'm not against awards for kids. But fifth grade graduation, you ever been to one? There's an award for everything. You breathed. Here's your award. Um, and then you know, it starts actually kindergarten graduation, then fifth grade graduation, and then maybe eighth grade graduation. Congratulations, you got through ninth grade, and then there's the senior, and we just congratulate everything. I'm not, a, I'm not against that, but I'm just saying we have this culture that just, you put in the work, and this is what you get. It's production-based, and we, and we grow in that mentality, and sometimes we even enforce that even in the church. You know, I grew up in a Southern Baptist church, and perfect attendance, you get all these awards, and at some point as a kid, you're like, why am I doing this? Well, i got to get that award. That's why I'm doing this. And I know the teacher's like, that's good. They're bringing their Bible, and they're bringing their friend, and they're bringing But we're, we're teaching this, I do this, and I get that, um, this approval point. But also, I think uh, there's something, too. Uh, how we approach God is affected by how we're raised in our homes. Not every, you know, Some homes have single parents, and God bless single moms and single dads. I don't know how you do it. 
uh, by God's grace, any of parents raise their kids. But And there's some really homes that uh, really bad things happen in them, and it's really sad. Um, but it's all God's grace that can overcome even our upbringings to say, I'm not like your mom or your dad. Uh, I'm the perfect heavenly father. And, and you come to know that. But all of that kind of affects... Uh, how how we how how was accomplishments addressed in your family? Uh, and I think in my kids, uh, obviously I love A's, but God had to show me if a B plus or a B minus, how I react to that is really going to affect their confidence and how they view it. And the end of this grade, whatever it is, is not the end of the world, but that they learn and that they God shows them whatever they should do in their lives. Uh, that's all kind of that. Another idea of, uh, can affect our relationship with God and how we can maybe come at it from a production standpoint is basically this bootstrap uh, factor. You know, the phrase is pull yourself up by your bootstraps. Y'all heard that before? It's the idea that I'm going to get through this. I'm just going to buckle. I'm going to get through this. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to lean in. It's a feeling of self-sufficiency that comes when we make something happen despite difficult circumstances. And who gets the credit for that when that happens? You do. God doesn't. You don't probably don't give him much credit because, after all, you did it. Eh, that's not really right. Is there not a sovereign God that's at work that actually has a lot more power than I do and you do? Yeah, he's working through you. But uh, that's basically pride is what, is what settles in there with the bootstrap, bootstrap factor mentality. Uh, another way we kind of live our life is maybe I know this problem area in my life and I just, uh, or maybe, you know, something in my home or something with my spouse or something with my kids or maybe in my work, there's problem at work or there's problem wherever. And I'm, I'm just going to kind of avoid it. And I'm going to really double down on the other area that, so if, if home is stressful, I'm just going to spend, you know, uh, you know, 12 hours a day at work and just avoid home. And I'm just going to push through and I'm, I'm going to. I'm going to be where things are good, and I'm not going to be where things are hard. And, and we kind of avoid the hardships of life. The truth of the matter is, God is in all of those areas. God is there to help us in the hard areas. God is there to help us when we need to be humbled. God is there to help us, show us that he wants to use us in whatever situation, whatever upbringing we have. So all of those, we all have some of those, and each of us, maybe some different one of those, but... What God is saying here through Jesus is production needs to flow out of connection. If we want to produce for God, if we want to do good works for God, we want to be bearers of fruit for him and his kingdom, then the only way it happens is out of connection. It doesn't happen in my own, my own strivings, my own trying, my attempts, my, 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 my goal, I'm going gonna, I'm, I'm gonna to set this goal and I'm going to make this happen. Now there's room and time for all of that, but basically the idea is I'm going to let God I'm going to stay connected to God. Connection has to come first. Life is short. If we want to live fruitful lives, we've got to put first things first. We've already noted that sometimes we put production ahead of connection. That's not good. Maybe we can chase after careers or one one activity after another and take our kids all over West Texas or, or whatever until one day you, you, you or I may realize that, you know, where did all that time go? And when we go to the different funerals and family members and loved ones and all that, it is a reminder, and I think God uses this. Life is short. Life is short. Which is why Jesus says, ultimately, the number one thing is your connection to him. 
obviously that you're a child of God, that you put your faith and trust in him is the first step. But then the next step, how connected are you to God, allowing him to speak to you? How, are you, how, how often are you reading God's word? How often are you in the church with God's family? How often uh, are you uh, filling your mind with things that are going to edify you and build you up in Christian character as opposed to watching the next Netflix binge series? That's probably not Christian in any way. Be in the world, but not of the world. Jesus called his disciples in Mark 3.14, and he, he said this in, in that verse. Uh, he appointed the twelve that they might be with him and that he might send them out to preach. Notice the order. First, that they would be with him. You learn a lot by being with somebody. Connection. This is before uh, text messaging. Y'all watch young people today. They can literally be texting the person on the bus seat right next to them. It's just weird. Like, they're right there. Just talk to them. But they don't, that's how they communicate now. They don't know how to really have eye-to-eye, face-to-face conversation. And I, my generation, and some of y'all are older than me, I'm like, and I watched my dad at, I'm, I'm going back to the funeral. My dad's the ultimate people person, man. He can work the room. He, he knows everybody. Or he doesn't remember their names. But he's a Jeff Franklin before Jeff Franklin, okay? He works the room. And, and, and I watched my dad in that moment. I'm like, that's a great, that's a great, that's a great gift. Um, but uh, I don't know where I was going with that one. Sorry. It wasn't in my notes, so there you go. <laughs> Stick to the notes. Uh, oh, oh, that's what I was going to say. Uh, so, yeah, don't get emotional. Uh, so, a lot of the, I, ha, I know, they know me when I'm way little, and I, and I had connections. My dad and I actually served in, a, in a, two churches back-to-back as worship pastors. He followed me, which was a weird thing, but that was God's design. I always thought it would be the other way around. That's not the way God saw it. But our two churches, they did an Easter pageant together one year. It was a big deal. He had 20, 25 years of being pageant. My dad was also always Jesus. And when they whipped Jesus, and when I was little, I'm like, you don't whip my daddy. Um, I got upset. But uh, the last year I was Jesus, and uh, dad needed to retire from being Jesus. And he finally did. A little late, but better late than never. But then I had youth in my youth group. I was music and youth at this other church, and I had youth in my youth program. I was the youth minister, and they, we saw too much of you. I'm like, I agree. Jesus burying the cross in a diaper, um, that was difficult too. Some visualizations you can't get out of your mind. Back to dad. So my dad's the ultimate, uh, and I have some of those gifts. What I'm trying to say is I, I've been around my dad. I know how he is. And then I see Mason, and he's doing that. You catch, you catch those things, that, the good and the bad, from your parents. And then it's a blessing to see the good thoughts that you're passing on to your kids. And Mason's talking to a special needs boy that's all by himself. He didn't think anything about it. But I saw it. And I told him later, that was it. That was it. You did awesome there. So... These guys are around Jesus for three years, and they learned a lot from him by being in every situation that he was in and seeing how he reacts to the poor, the lame, the lepers, the uh, adulterous woman. He sees what biblical love looks like, and it's countercultural. It's way different 
And as Christians, as we show the way God is different, people are attracted to that kind of love because we live in a world that doesn't know that kind of love. So how can we connect with Jesus? That's the ultimate question. Uh, And I wish I could come up with more creative answers, but you spend time with him. I was a week without Christy, and I don't do good more than two or three days without my wife. And when I saw my wife again, everything was good again. That's connection. You think about that when your kids go to college and we're in the empty nester phase and we're navigating this, whatever, but just to see my kids and to hug my kids, and I know they're okay, but absence makes the heart grow fonder. It's true. When you're really connected to someone special in your life or some God, you know when you're connected, and you know when you're not. And I would say to you, it's not God that moved. God's always with us. It's a matter of, are we too distracted? Are we too busy? Are we too focused on other things to realize, I need to connect with my Heavenly Father? So we spend time with him. We be quiet in our hearts before him. We ask him to speak to us by his spirit through his word. We read his word. We study his word. We gather with his church. Don't buy the lie that staying at home and watching a stream, if you can be in church, you should be in church. A lot of people have bought the lie that it's just as good if I stream. Now, if you're a shut-in and you can't come, that's another thing. But you and I both know plenty of people haven't come back to church still. That's the enemy bringing his lies. What's a good target for the enemy? An isolated Christian. An easy target to snatch. Abiding is much more than just believing the truth. It's, cultivated, it's cultivating the habit of living in Christ, not only in quiet times with him, but all, all day, every day, in every, every part of life. Life goes by quickly, steward it well. Production is temporary, but connection is eternal. So also another reason you might prioritize production over connection would be because you can measure production. How do you measure connectivity? It's hard to measure. You can know it when you have it, and you can know it when you don't have it, but you know what's a lot easier to measure is production. I know how many times I went to church. I know how many verses I can say by memory. I know how many people I have led to Christ. I know uh, I'll take a little credit for my kids' salvation. Um, You can list all the things that you think you did, and these are fruits. These are works. Uh, It's hard to measure connectivity to God. But I would suggest it's very important. Uh, An illustration for this, and it's not the best illustration, but I'll give it a shot. Say I have a long day at work, and uh, I come home, and I have a choice. I can go for a walk with my wife, or I can mow the yard. Which one do you think I might do? Now, not this week because it's too wet. But anyhow, ideally. Well, you might go mow the yard because... As a man, you're like, I accomplished that. You know, it's done. When you walk with your wife, you can take a, you can feel the connection, but everything may just stay the exact same. Maybe nothing changes. There's no productivity. There's no results to show. But you know what? Connectivity to someone actually takes more effort, and in the long run, it's much better than if you mow the yard. You should mow the yard whenever. I'm just saying, hypothetical. Uh, Oftentimes, we go with what, produ- what we can measure and produce versus what actually we can't measure. 
and it's connectivity that's a little more uh, difficult to measure. But you and I know, and if we view our relationships, any relationship, through God's eyes, and I'm not talking about Facebook and I'm not talking about Instagram. I'm talking about when people really care about you. And I know many of y'all would have been at my mom's service if it was here in Midland, Texas, but it wasn't here. So I'm not talking about that. But my family experienced the love of the church, people over 40, 50 years that have known my family, that they're bringing casseroles and they're lugging and they're, and and, and a a funeral, it's awkward to, to, but you just feel it when, Love is poured on you, and you just feel like you're connected to people, even though I haven't seen them for 30 years. I still have that connection. Now, Facebook is a good way you can stay connected, but I would suggest many times we're not very connected through social media at all. It's a a facade. Um, Sometimes when we talk to people in a decision room, and I can can think of a time, uh, you don't ask... Someone comes, you know, used to, they come forward in the invitation, just as I am, all six verses. Uh, but now we do it a little different way. It's fine. But people come to decision room, and you don't ask them, are you here to get saved? And you don't ask them yes, no questions. You wouldn't do that to a kid, because a kid would say exactly what you want to hear. So you try to say, and why did you come down? And, and this was an adult lady, elderly lady, and, and she starts listening. Uh, I said, why are you here? And, well, I... Uh, I got baptized as an infant. Uh, I, I memorized all of these. So I immediately know maybe a different uh, denomination and things. But uh, I, I, I got christened, and then I memorized, and then I, and then I, and I memorized all these verses, and then I, uh, I, I have all these sermon. I have pages of sermon notes, and and then I serve in the local shelter, whatever. And you just have to stop them. What is, what is she doing? She's listing her production. And I thought, you know, that's not enough. Of course, you have to say that tactfully. But sometimes we do that. We can slip into the, I did this, I did this, I did this. And why are we saying that? Well, because I earned God's favor. No, God died for you whether you did that stuff or not. He died for you way back when you were a sinner. And all you have to do is put your faith and trust in him and just rest that you're a child of God. And there's a diff- that's a different mentality. As I close, uh, there's one other story in the Gospel of Luke that kind of talks about this idea of production versus connection. Uh, it's a picture of what it means to just be a branch. He tells us about these two sisters. One is prioritizing production, and the other is absorbed with connection to Jesus. The two sisters are Mary and Martha, and their brother is Lazarus. You know, the one that was raised from the Lazarus come forth, that brother. Uh, And they're all friends with Jesus. They lived a few miles outside of Jerusalem in the town of Bethany. One day, Jesus stopped by to see them. Uh, There wasn't an RSVP, no advance notice, just uh, Jesus walking in the door with some of his buds. Uh, So if you got your Bibles, Luke Luke 10, verse 38 uh, through 40, I'll read that from the New King James. Now it happened as they went that he entered a certain village and a certain woman named Martha welcomed him into her house. She had a sister called Mary who also sat at Jesus' feet feet and heard his word. But Martha was distracted with much serving. A couple of points. 
Uh, Martha's probably the older sister. And she's probably got a little bit of that firstborn energy going on here. Uh, she's focused on preparations. She's focused on hospitality, all good things. Uh, she's making sure to dust mop the house and, and get all the dog hair off the couch. Uh, meanwhile, her younger sister sits at the feet of Jesus. Now, we may read through that. I'm like, I've had a kid sit at my feet. That's nothing. No big deal. That's kind of nice. Close. You have to read that through first century uh, Jew uh, eyes. This was not normal, not culturally accepted, not for a woman to do that. To, do, to assume that position would only be a scribe that's going to learn under this rabbi, and it wouldn't be a woman. So that's a big deal. And then the text goes on to say Martha is distracted I wonder, by her works, by her serving hospitality. Does that ever happen to you? I've been quite distracted in the last week, but whatever. But it's easy to get distracted that actually, you know, Jesus the Messiah is in your house. Uh, you know, maybe take note. Maybe go spend time with him. Um, she puts, uh, Martha puts production first. Her motives are good. But you see some of her negative emotions are flashing some warning signals that her way isn't working. Uh, Martha is irritated at Mary, and probably, I think it's an understatement, I think she's a little irritated at Jesus. Why don't you tell Big Sis what she needs to be doing and helping me here, right? It's not all in there, but I, I'm, I think that could probably be happening. She's irritated. So uh, meanwhile, as she puts production first, her sister is putting connection first. She's longing to be with Jesus, and that overrides any pressure that she might have felt by Martha to help her clean in the house. She wants to be with Jesus. Uh, it reveals uh, you know, that we need to prioritize connection over production. Uh, the disciples, I don't know how many people are with Jesus. It's probably more than just the disciples, but they come over, and uh, Martha gets busy with production. Mary, the other one, is at the feet of Jesus. And then go on and look at the rest of the passage. She goes on in verse 40. And she approached Jesus and said, Lord, do you not care that my sister has left me to serve alone? Therefore, tell her to help me. Jesus, tell her what to do. Get her in line. Crack the whip. Jesus answered and said to her, Martha, Martha, you are worried and troubled about many things. But one thing is needed. And Mary has chosen that good part, which will not be taken away from her. Jesus noticed this and told Martha basically that Mary has chosen what is, what is, what is better than what you've chosen. She's the winner in this situation. And it will not be taken away. Well, what does that mean? Well, it will last forever. What she's doing will last forever. It will have, it's not temporal, it's, it's got eternal, eternal ramifications. She's worshiping her Lord and Savior. And she's abiding, connecting to him. It's that idea that uh, Jesus would, in John fifteen six, he tells his disciples, I choose you and appoint you so that you might go and bear fruit, fruit that will last. When you connect to Jesus and to God, the things that come out of that are, are eternal. They last forever. Whether or not I clean, this message is not that you should not clean your house. A nice, clean house is good. Uh, 
But in this, isn't it so easy for us to get distracted with all the other things as opposed to just spending time with God? And not to get too sentimental, but isn't Jesus always with us? He's in your house. The Holy Spirit is in you, and that's Jesus. He's everywhere you go. How much time do you and I spend with him? Are we busy producing and busy being distracted and busy doing everything as opposed to abiding in him? Mary had chosen what was better because it was eternal. Busyness and stress kill our ability to just sit at the feet of Jesus and be with him. We need to stop our whirling thoughts and just rest in his presence. Be still and know that I am God. It's connection over production. It's doing flowing from being. I am who I am and you are who you are because of whose you are. Because you're connected to God. Production matters, but it needs to come from connection. So the rhetorical question is, which one are you? Which one are you putting first in your life? Production or connection? None of us are always perfectly connected to God. We don't. We always want more. Um, but I think sometimes you just need to come back and say, "God, show me where I am distracted." God. Show me where I need to put some habits in my life that prioritize me just being with you. A retreat, a walk to Emmaus, a youth camp, although when you get adults, they don't let you go to youth camp unless you're a sponsor, but you don't sleep at all if you do that, so I wouldn't advise that. But as we grow and we become workers and, and we have families and then, we have, and then maybe one day we grandkids and we retire, Sometimes we lose the idea that I need, and, and maybe we've walked, we've been a Christian for a long time. Some of us have, some of us are, this is very fresh. But think, to, think back to your first love when God saves you. You could not spend enough time with God. You wanted more God, more God, more God. Think back to that boyfriend or girlfriend that you were oohing and on over, and you would talk on hours on the corded phone in your parents' living room. I'm dating myself, but this is how I did it. Uh, <laughs> I can't get too, can't be in your own room. You got a corded phone, can only stretch so far. Uh, and you just want to spend time with her or him, right? And then the months, and then marriage, and then you, and then you have kids, and, and then jobs, and moving, and different life happens. And then before you know it, Death comes to somebody. And you think about connection a lot. Because maybe in the last years, haven't been that close. We live way far away. Maybe health keeps you from connecting to your parents or your, your brothers or your loved ones or your grandkids or whatever. We can make all the excuses why we don't connect with extended family. But you know the phone does, does work both ways. So if you want to put the guilt on them that they should have called you, well, did you call them? (laughs) That doesn't work. I mean, grow up. But, uh, But we do all those excuses, even in earthly connections. How much more do we do that in our heavenly connection? And we don't even think about it. The production is, yes, I go to church. I take my family to church. 
I try to put up boundaries and print. This is how my family is going to raise, and I can't control my kids, and I can't control my parents, and I can't control my grandparents. I can't barely control myself. Uh, but I'm going to put these practices in my life to try to pass down to my kids that they would then learn and pass down to their kids. This is uh, hopefully a Christian legacy we're trying to pass down. I'm not responsible for it. God does that. God makes that happen. Um, but, uh, you know, connection. How, how are you with God? And only you can answer that, and I'll get a little more dig into some passages, but uh, I think it uh, is an important message we need to hear. And maybe, maybe your walk with the Lord is really good. You feel like you're tight, and y'all are, y'all are hand in hand. That's great. And keep that up. But I know we have an enemy that is very, very, very sneaky. And he lets things kind of sneak in. And, uh, and I just, I want to live my life uh, with great connections with my family and my God. That's what I want. And when death comes knocking at whatever door, it, it, it opens your eyes and perspective. No one has forever. Either Jesus is going to come back or he's going to take me home. Or someone I love, he's going to take home or come back, and ultimately it, it, it urges you to be and be be make important what's important, and what's not important, leave that. Let that be water under the bridge. I had a fight with my brother twenty years ago, and I haven't talked to him in twenty years. Well, good for you. How good is that? I haven't done that, but I'm saying that could happen one day, uh, especially after last week. Anyhow, um, connection, of course. Of course, with your family and what you have left here, look in either direction, but also, more importantly, with your God. You know, how do you help me go back to my first love? Remember the churches Jesus talks about and that church he held that they they felt out of love with their first love. Where our first love is simply God and his love for us. While we were sinners, he died for us. John 3, 16, God so loved the world, he gave his only God and son. Whoever believes in him will not perish but have eternal life. That's the God that wants to be our Heavenly Father. When you have that perspective, life and death, whatever it comes, God overcame death already. It's done. Precious in the eyes of of God is is the death of one of his saints. God, for a Christian to die, you know exactly where they are. Not everyone has that peace of mind, but God does what is right. I'm really just going off notes at this point. But connection, something to think about. We'll continue to think about it. And... uh, and I pray that we would lean in more on connection than production because we can only achieve the things God wants to achieve through us by being connected to him. He is the power source. Let me close with prayer. Heavenly Father, I thank you for your love for us through Jesus Christ. I thank you that, Jesus, you came and you walked on this earth and you lived and ultimately you died on this earth. But just such powerful words that we need to stay and, and abide in you and remain in you and be steadfast to follow you. And uh, I pray that when we're distracted from our spiritual walk with you, that we would, we would realize that and we would repent of those things and we would put some different uh, practices in our life so that we could restore that connection uh, and feel uh, your conviction in our life and just you're with us uh, constantly and whatever goes, uh, happens in our lives. pray that we would restore that connection uh, that only you can do. And then when that happens, then you'll, you will produce the fruit. You will produce the things that bring eternal uh, glory for you and that you want to use us through and to, to shine your light in this world. Uh, we do pray for, for all of those that are having heartache in this time. We pray for those and even the, 
You're the, you're the God of the globe. You're the God of the world. And we pray for those in the, the different wars that are happening and the, the injustice that's happening and different deaths and, and different regions of the world. Just pray that you and your sovereign way would just be over all of it. And we can't help everything, but uh, news tells us 24-7 what we should worry about. Uh, I think you're a God of the globe that has it all in your hands. And we, and we trust that. Give us peace for th- with that. And we'll give you all the glory in the name of Jesus Christ, I pray. Amen.